KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Art Power is presenting Indian fusion band Red Bharat, mixing Indian bhangra rhythms, hip-hop, and funk music, March 23rd at the Epstein Family Amphitheater. Tickets and information about upcoming concerts and events at artpower.ucsd.edu. Good morning, I'm Debbie Cruz. It's Wednesday, September 20th. Millions of dreamers are in limbo again as a federal court rules against DACA. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. Water rates are going to increase for City of San Diego residents. The San Diego City Council yesterday passed a nearly 20% rate hike. The rates will increase 5% in December, 5% next July, and an additional nearly 9% in January 2025. According to our media partner 10 News, the first increase will take an average monthly bill for a single-family home from around $81 to more than $93. Demolition is underway on a city block downtown that will someday become affordable housing for San Diego City College students. The high-rise housing project is just a block from campus and is expected to provide 800 units of living space that would rent well below market value. Greg Smith is acting chancellor of the San Diego Community College District. He says the state legislature approved the initial funding for the project. In order to get $75 million for San Diego City College to start this project, we had to demonstrate to them that we can accomplish affordable housing that is going to reach our most at-need students. That includes students who are low-income, veterans, or former foster youth. The new housing is expected to be complete in fall 2028. Two schools in the county were named National Blue Ribbon Schools by the U.S. Department of Education this week. Garfield Elementary School in the San Diego Unified District and Casita Center for Technology, Science and Math in the Vista Unified District received the distinction. The honor recognizes schools based on their overall academic performance or their progress in closing achievement gaps among students of different backgrounds. More than 350 schools across the country received the honor and 33 of those schools were in California. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. KPBS On Demand is supported by the San Diego County Toyota dealers, whose commitment to customers extends to giving back to the community and who are proud to support the City of San Diego lifeguards with their important role of keeping our beaches safe. Toyota, let's go places. The Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, or DACA, has once again been deemed unlawful by a federal court. This leaves over half a million dreamers in the system in limbo, and others with no option at applying. Reporter Tanya Thorne takes a look at the impact this has. Last week, a federal judge in Texas ruled DACA unlawful. Only individuals who got DACA in 2021 or before can continue renewing, but no new applications are being processed. Josefina Espino is the office coordinator for the Dreamers Resource Office at Cal State San Marcos. We have less and less students with with DACA status. So what we're seeing is more students with no status um, that don't have that protection from deportation. They don't have that work authorization. So it's really hard for them, you know, to just kind of survive really with the housing being so expensive, gas is expensive, everything just went up. While the office serves as a safe space for these students, Espino says the limitations make it hard for undocumented students trying to get an education and start a career. 
Diana Pliego with the National Immigration Law Center anticipates the ruling to be appealed unless Congress acts. We think that that's what's likely to happen because we're, we're not going to stop fighting back. We're not going to just give up and we're going to keep fighting um, for all of the DACA recipients and, and for those who, like I said, um, have been locked out. She says DACA could make its way to the Supreme Court. But for now, the waiting continues. Tanya Thorne, KPBS News. Last week, we told you about hundreds of migrants being held in between the primary and secondary border walls in San Isidro. Now many are waiting for their chance to request asylum, 70 miles east of San Diego without shelter in a rural area near Hakamba. Video journalist Matt Bowler has more. The buzzing you hear is from the Sunrise Power Link's massive overhead power lines. Uh, this is the Jacumba Desert, the Campo Desert. Victoria Vasquez is from the mutual aid group Border Kindness. She says there's been a steady group of about 150 migrants being driven here by Customs and Border Protection and then left to wait for their asylum claims to be processed. Border Kindness has been feeding and clothing migrants here in the desert since Saturday morning. We've brought over, I don't know, I want to say a thousand sandwiches, a thousand water bottles. There are Chinese, Kurdish, Cuban, Colombian, Brazilian, and Russian migrants waiting for days. The daytime temperatures here reach around 90 degrees and it dips to the low 50s overnight. At around midday, Customs and Border Protection drive a van out on the washboard dirt road to pick up about a dozen of the migrants. Women and children who've been waiting for about a day and six men who've been in the dirt since Sunday. A lot of the people are being stranded here for days, right? We've had people that are here since Sunday. Um, so we are, uh, it is a dire situation. Vasquez says the migrants are dropped off with nothing and left to create their own shelter. Customs and Border Protection did not respond to an interview request in time for this broadcast. Matt Bowler, KPBS News. The San Diego City Council is denouncing hate after a meeting was disrupted by anti-Semitic conspiracy theorists. Metro reporter Andrew Bowen says the case shows the perils of allowing anonymous public comment via Zoom. The disruptions happened throughout the council's meeting on Monday. Anonymous Zoom participants repeatedly launched into anti-Semitic tirades, and repeatedly Council President Pro Tem Monica Montgomery Stepp would cut them off. University of San Diego law professor Miranda McGowan says that's allowed under the First Amendment when the comments have nothing to do with the subject the council is discussing. Though the city council can't shut people down because they think that they are expressing a viewpoint in an offensive way, they can limit people to talking about certain topics. McGowan says if the council is concerned about anonymous commenters, it can adopt rules to limit a speaker's anonymity, such as requiring Zoom participants to speak on camera. Andrew Bowen, KPBS News. This November, Fallbrook and Rainbow residents will vote on whether to leave the San Diego Water Authority. A recently passed state bill stemming from the messy water divorce could make it harder for other agencies to leave in the future. North County reporter Alexander Wynn explains. After three years and a contentious fight, we are wanting what is legally our right to leave this toxic marriage. And it will hurt everyone else in San Diego County. Ratepayers in Fallbrook and Rainbow will finally have their say on whether to leave the San Diego County Water Authority in November's special election. For a while, that vote was in jeopardy. The San Diego County Local Agency Formation Commission, or LAFCO, okayed the detachment in July. The motion passes. 
pending voters' approval. But a bill making its way through the California legislature at that time could have upended that. Assembly Bill 399, or AB 399, sponsored by North County Assembly Member Tasha Burner, would have required the entire county to vote on the matter. Members AB 399 provides a necessary safeguard moving forward for utility customers in the region struggling to make ends meet. I ask for your I vote on this district bill to ensure that all water ratepayers in San Diego County have a voice when changes in governance have a direct impact on them. That's not how Tom Kennedy, the general manager for Rainbow Municipal Water District, sees it. It's just lousy public policy. He says the bill was rushed through the legislature for the benefit of one party, the Water Authority. I think the right way to go about amending the Water Authority Act is for the member agencies of the Water Authority to sit down together talk about what would work for everyone, and then as a group, bring it forward. Originally, AB 399 had an urgency clause, meaning it will go into effect immediately. That could have torpedoed Fallbrook and Rainbow's vote next month. But the clause was stripped from the final version of the bill that was passed by the legislature last week. It still needs to be signed by Governor Gavin Newsom. If signed into law, it will take effect next year. The concern is that it will have a chilling effect on smaller agencies wanting to leave the Water Authority. David Drake is the director of the Rincon del Diablo Municipal Water District in Escondido. He says the bill will further disenfranchise voters and local control. 30 years ago, they disenfranchised 60% of the county by having ad valorem voting. This would take that to a further step in terms of forcing the smaller agencies to act in ways that are not in their best interest. San Diego Mayor Todd Gloria, who supports the bill, says AB 399 will protect ratepayers. According to the Water Authority, if Fallbrook and Rainbow leave, the rest of the county could be stuck paying roughly $140 million in infrastructure improvements. That amount would have been covered by the two North County water agencies. In a statement, Gloria says that's not fair for the rest of the region and that agencies shouldn't be able to just leave the rest of us to foot their share of the bill. AB 399 provides an important and necessary safeguard for the rest of the region's ratepayers. However, the infrastructure costs are part of the reason why Rainbow and Fallbrook wanted to leave the Water Authority. They say those improvements will not benefit their customers. While the bill won't affect his agency in Escondido, Drake says it's a slap in the face for the concept of local control. I think 399 is another example of how the city of San Diego wants to try to dominate the Water Authority as if it were its own agency, rather than a countywide agency covering all three-plus million people in the county. Newsom has yet to indicate whether he will sign or veto the bill. Drake says he hopes the governor will see how badly the bill will damage democracy. Meanwhile, for ratepayers in Rainbow and Fallbrook, come this November, they have a decision to make. To stay or to leave. Alexander Wynn, KPPS News. Coming up, a data protection rep has tips on how to protect our digital footprint. Start thinking about creating like a synthetic identity for yourself, meaning a, a fake a fake identity. And that's what you use when you sign up for things on the internet. We'll have that story just after the break.
KPBS On Demand is supported by the National Conflict Resolution Center. Topics like political polarization and hybrid work policies can create workplace conflict. NCRC can help workplace leaders navigate divisive issues with the culture, communication, and conflict certificate. More at ncrconline.com. California lawmakers last week passed a bill to make it easier for us to delete our personal information online. If signed into law by Governor Newsom, the DELETE Act would allow Californians to reduce their digital footprint through a single request to delete their data. Mark Hamsinski is a senior vice president at OneRep, a data protection company. He spoke with my colleague, Jade Heinemann. Here's part of their conversation. Can you first explain what we mean when we say digital footprint? <laughs> yeah, I, I, uh, some days I wish it was a, just a simple, easy answer. But digital footprints basically refer to all the different ways we as end users or consumers travel across the Internet. And at every stop along the way, whether it's through a browser or through an app that we're using, the sites, um, whether it's a business site like uh, an e-commerce store like Amazon or a publisher where we're reading news articles or we're listening to uh, a podcast to you name it, uh, watching a movie trailer, everything that we do across the internet basically becomes part of our digital footprint. And all those different stopping points that we make every single day all these different kinds of business entities are collecting our data. And each one of those represents some little piece of our footprint. And ultimately, what what happens are different companies try to take that, those little bits and turn them into bigger and bigger bits so that they can learn more and more about us and use that information for a wide swath of, uh, of, of reasons, whether it's you know marketing, selling us advertising, selling our data, uh, and other things. Well, you know, so there are data brokers. So what exactly are data brokers and how do they get my information? So data brokers operate on a couple different levels. So in I think you also have to use the term uh, data like collectors, I, I, I'll say as well. So there's kind of like three levels at the end of the day. There's web, let's just use the simple term websites, various websites that collect data about you and I every single day. Like we go to a website, we register uh, to, you know, learn more about their e-commerce products or we register to watch a movie trailer or we register to read the news or anything and everything in between. All these little collection points, we're typing in our information into their site so that we can create an account or so that we can gain access to that thing that we want. Uh, the trailer, the news, the article, the song, you name it. And what happens is there's big companies, big data aggregators, I'll say, that basically partner or try to purchase data, if you want to think of it that way, from all these like little publishers, if you want to call them that, these little data collection sites. And the big data aggregators collect little bits of information from all these different sites about us, right? No one of uh, these small companies that's collecting it has everything on every American, but the big data aggregators are trying to do that, right? So by 
collecting data from, call it a thousand different websites, they can start to find, oh, Mark's over here, Mark's over there, Mark's over here, and start to assemble uh, like a synthetic identity about who I am. And then what happens is once they have enough data about me from all these collection points that they partner with, well, then they start to sell it. So how would the DELETE Act then change our digital footprints if it does become law? Yeah, well, again, it's a, it's a step in the right direction. Um, we'll have to see how it actually gets applied. Because, again, you know, what's happening is, you know, these large data aggregators, these big publicly traded companies that collect data for a living, you know, they feel like they have all the rights to, you know, this data because, you know, the publisher that originally collected it gave them the permission. So it's going to have to come down to what are those rights on a particular site when you sign up for the site, for the site services, like, again, I always pick on like movie trailers, you have to, you know, register and give them some basic information. But you're agreeing to a privacy policy in terms of service, and use of that data. It all starts right there. So even if California then does make it easier to delete personal information online, it, it wouldn't go into effect until 2026. So what are some ways people can protect themselves today? So the first thing we always recommend is do a uh, Google search for your name, but use a browser that's in uh, what's called incognito mode. So you're basically doing it as like a general user of the internet would find your information. And you'd be kind of shocked to find how much information is out there and, and easily indexed on you. The second thing you can do is certainly you can try to manually request all your information to be removed from these people search websites, or certainly, you know, that's the business that we're in at OneRep. And, you know, you could use a service like ours or, or, uh, or the like that will help scrub the information. So you kind of like got to find it, you got to scrub it. And then the proactive thing after that is, you know, start thinking about creating like a synthetic identity for yourself, meaning a, a fake, a fake identity. And that's what you use when you sign up for things on the internet so that you're not giving out your real personal information. That was Mark Hapsinski, the senior vice president of strategic partnerships at one rep. Speaking with KPBS Midday Edition host, Jade Heineman. That's it for the podcast today. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. Join us again tomorrow for the day's top stories. Plus, we'll look at how more San Diegans moving to Tijuana is causing rents in TJ to increase. I'm Debbie Cruz. Thanks for listening and have a great Wednesday. KPBS On Demand is supported by MaraCal Design and Remodeling, helping homeowners with their home remodeling needs. From ADUs to custom kitchen remodels and room additions, MaraCal Design and Remodeling designs and builds your dream home. Learn more at trustyourhometous.com.